boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Man, you said it, Ron Burgundy. And thanks for stopping by the Lions 24-7 podcast, where we are always staying classy. Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz, after a thrilling 21-19 Penn State win at Iowa, there's so much to unpack from this. We could honestly dedicate the entire episode, but we're going to stick to our usual Monday rundown, give out game balls, check in with the next opponent, predict the presser, all that good stuff. But man, I did not sleep uh, Saturday going into Sunday. And for me, there was one recurring thought about this game and just that it was so freaking bizarre. It was incredible. 99 offensive plays, uh, like 3,000 offensive yards or whatever Penn State put up, and just couldn't finish. Where, on the other hand, Iowa went from typical Iowa, couldn't couldn't do anything. Penn State's defense held them in check to a fairly explosive 19-point offense in the second half. So, uh, yeah, that was really, really just crazy. I mean, everything backwards that you knew about it. And, you know, credit to Iowa. I thought they played well. They, they, they Really ex- tough, physical. Ex- yeah, physical, executed their game plan, uh, kept the ball. Um, you know, fairly away from Penn State, not not so much like a like a pit offense or anything like that, but they did what they needed to do. They moved the chains at at, at, at times when they needed to, and you know, credit to them. They're they're a tough team. I don't know that they're a team that's going to um, you know win ten games or win nine or ten games and, and and score outscore some people in the Big Ten West, but they're a very tough team, especially Kinnick. Yeah, and here's the thing: when I talk about bizarre, because of course Saquon Barkley doing ridiculous things as he did seemingly snap after snap after snap after snap is not not unexpected, but Barkley aside, you know, we talk about so much that this Penn State offense is explosive. Iowa averaged more yards per play than Penn State did. You mentioned 99 plays for Penn State. We expected Iowa going into this to turn out long drive after long drive. Iowa burned clock, but they did it defensively. Like they couldn't get anything going on offense, but they still managed to shorten the game because they kept Penn State in front, forced them to turn out these long drives to be patient, and ultimately held them to 15 points until the last four seconds. Think about that. You were not able to contain Saquon Barkley. He set program records. He broke career highs for him personally. And yet still, you hold Penn State to effectively what should be usually two scores around there. Of course, they had a couple field goals and a touchdown. But just an incredible game that was so flipped on top of its head that of course it was going to end on a play that no one saw it coming. Uh, we didn't mention Juwan Johnson in the Monday episode, but it was just, like I said, bizarro world for Penn State, Iowa. Yeah, no doubt. And and the finish was incredible. McSorley seemingly off all game, turned the ball over a couple of times. And, and I think the big thing was that switch at right tackle, bringing Will Fries in for Andrew Nelson, uh, made a big difference. Um, maybe not in the fact that Will was, you know, a, a game breaker or anything like that, but uh, they, they just looked off, you know, off their game with Nelson out there. And, and that's unfortunate considering everything he's been through, but you can put those turnovers, uh, or excuse me, at least the, the pick in the first half that kind of changed things um, on that right side. So, uh, that's unfortunate, but at the same time, McSorley, you know, he's uh, so tough. He is so tough. Yeah. And, and, and I had a lot of people, you know, of course, texting or tweeting about putting in Stevens, which is not the answer at Ooh. all. Uh, you just, Twitter, man. But, uh, I was going to say, if you, if those were texts, like that's a, take your number out of my surprise. Phone, we like. didn't see the Stevens package, but especially with the, the way the Penn state was operating in the red zone, but still. Man, uh, McSorley came in. He made some of the throws. Um, the, the the fourth down conversion, of course, was a big one. And then the you know having the wherewithal to flip to Barkley, where he can just turn on the Jets and go around a a phenomenal player like Josie Jewell, who I thought you know was one of the better linebackers that I've seen. So he had sixteen tackles, three tackles for loss, fumble recovery, a pick. 
And two pass breakups. Yeah, he was all over the place, and and Barkley was the best player on the field, but Josie Jewell, you know, he 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 made an argument at least. So, and you know, I led with this being so bizarre, and it was the reasons we mentioned. We didn't even mention the block field goals, two missed two point conversions. You know, five hundred and seventy two yards of offense for Penn State until that final play that pushed them over the twenty point mark. You know, it's Connecticut night, but Barkley really was the story for the better part of fifty nine minutes until that final drive. I mean, it, it's. I had truly a great deal of difficulty putting into words after the game everything that he did because inevitably you're going to leave something out and you're not going to do the justice of everything he did for that team through the air, on the ground, and even just from a clutch perspective, just getting the yards that you need to sustain these drives where Iowa was dropping back and forcing you to go underneath and feature Barkley, which Penn State did, but still not to the success that you would expect. Again, 15 points yeah. until the final four seconds. You would think with the yardage total that Penn State would put up 40 or 50. And another thing, going back to Barkley, I mean, if this kid's not the best player in college football, then I, I don't know. I mean, you, you you certainly look around the country and you see the guys like Baker Mayfield making plays and, uh, you know, just you, you, you almost want to think that those guys are making these plays as consistently. But man, Barkley, every time he touched the ball, you kind of held your breath. And sometimes when he didn't touch the ball, of course, when he got cut down in the backfield last night, it was a big time thing. But yeah, I think uh, the Iowa turf gave him problems. And other than that, Penn State's, uh, I'd say, red zone play calling were the only things that held him up. A little insider thing here in that Iowa turf, very lumpy. I, I was walking around pregame with uh, Ben Jones of uh, statecollege.com, and we were both remarking that the turf was just unusual. I think it only got him once or twice. But it was just a, a another kind of strange twist in the entire night. Um, you know, obviously didn't slow him down enough because we talked so much about the all-purpose yards. We're both in agreement, very overrated, except for their place in the conversation about Heisman talk, which is obviously very important for Saquon Barkley this season. But overall, the fact that he had more than 300 yards of total offense just speaks volumes. And I think you mentioned it because it's easy to go to the quarterback route when you're talking best player in college football. I think most impactful is probably the best way to put that. But when you're talking pure player and how he affects the game in so many different ways at such an exceptionally high level, that's Barkley returning, receiving, rushing, and acting as a decoy for the rest of his teammates. Um, but I mean, there's really nothing left to say except for, I can't wait to see what he does for at least the next eight games. When he gets it and goes, I mean, it's something special. And I, I've had friends talk to me today, say, man, I hope he stays. That ain't happening. I mean, come on, come on. Let's, uh, let's be realistic here. There's no reason, even if, you know, something were to happen, he's gone, but yeah, soak it up. Cause this is, this guy is as good of a football player that's come through the Penn state program in, in its history. And that's saying something. Now it was impossible to miss Barkley last night. Perhaps given how the fourth quarter went, it was a little bit easier to overlook the defense, which was swarming, it was dominant, it was you know, light years of what ahead of what we saw the first three games, in my opinion. They just looked so much faster, and part of that was due to the fact that they knew that they could just go ahead and attack Iowa's running game. I mean, they blitzed on more than half their snaps in the first half. You know, they had they eventually paid for it in the fourth quarter with, with a bust here in coverage there. But ultimately, this defense was the best version that we've seen to date, and, and really what you expected from this offseason when they're talking about we're faster, we like our guys in the back end, and, you know, from a rotation perspective, we got a lot of guys who can get after the quarterback. Yeah, and when you blitz, you're not always going for the sacks. I mean, you, you're, you're looking for pressure, but I think you hit it on the head. You run blitz this team because Iowa is going to run the football more than they should. And they did that last night, and they were successful because of it. You know, they, they ran into the blitz a few times, and it paid off. And, and Penn State, I'm not sure how many tackles for loss off the top of my head they had, but they, had seven. they, were, they were back there at seven tackles for loss. It's pretty good against a team like Iowa, and a back like Wadley, who I was very impressed with, even though his numbers were maybe not you know anything compared to Barkley's, but I thought he was a very good back. But getting back 
to the defense, the linebackers, you know, took a step forward and that's something that we've been looking for for a few weeks. And uh, the speed, I think, really showed up last night. Still a couple of missed tackles, but Penn State was all over the place and and that front four really sort of controlled things for them, especially in the first half. You mentioned tackles for loss. Sharif Miller led Penn State in that department with two. Marcus Allen also had a couple. But Sharif Miller, the big thing that, that caught my eye after the game, of course, I always do snap counts. Penn State, including the two-point conversions, only 47 defensive snaps. Ultimately, that played in their favor because, of course, it keeps you fresher and, you know, generally Iowa's offense off the field. But it allows a guy like Sharif Miller to play 38 out of those 47 snaps, which is generally unheard of because these guys, again, in the rotation are playing at most, you know, around the 50% mark. Uh, Buckholt saw a lot of snaps. Kevin Givens on the edge was a new twist that we saw last night, which I thought was really effective, a little bit more beef out there, and of course offsetting the loss of Torrance Brown, but he was just as explosive as you would need him to be in those third down situations. Yeah, Givens has, has been a guy that's been a linebacker in high school, was a defensive end as well, so he's he's got some background at that position, and with Torrance Brown out, uh, that's a guy that we look to as, as a pe- potentially lining up there and, and making some things happen. I mean, he's just so, he's explosive off the ball, he's quick off the ball, and if you can do that, um, you know, against a team, a, a bigger front like Iowa, you know, to get a bigger defensive end out there is a, is a big deal. So looking forward to seeing what Kevin Givens can do, especially when you take a look at the at the four or five guys that they have at defensive tackle. And we saw Tyrell Chavis at the three technique a little bit more on on Saturday night. Um, if you get those guys in there, there there's going to be an odd man out. And if that odd man out is Givens and you can put him at defensive end to make some plays, especially against the run, uh, you're in a good situation. So the loss of Torrance Brown, which he's not going to be back this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, the loss of Torrance Brown, a little bit negated by by having Givens out there. And I think moving forward against the run, it's going to be a big deal. One defensive lineman I want to get to before we move on, Parker Coffin. He, he played more than half the snaps uh, Saturday night. He had not played more than a third in each of their previous three games partly due you know, just a heavy dosage of garbage time that we saw in each of those. But he came up big against a running team where he's really going to be the focal point, eating up double teams, holding that point of attack, and not letting Iowa control the trenches, whether they're going with their outside zone game or inside zone. And we talked about this too, um, you know, about how I, I felt Iowa was going to go to some more counter concepts to their base sub, try to catch Penn State off guard, because particularly they had difficulty defending the pin and pull. We saw that twist on the outside zone, the very first snap, uh, for Iowa's offense. We saw it later when Akron Wadley eventually fumbled, but initially had a six-yard gain, and another time where Penn State dropped it for a loss. So I think they fixed some of their issues there. That starts with Cothran, as did just their entire run defense, which except for you know Wadley's 35-yard um, rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter, I mean, they were dominant. And, and this was more than I think you could possibly have expected based on what you saw through the first three games. Yeah, those tackles were very good in the first game, got washed out against Pitt and to a lesser extent against Georgia State last weekend. For for them to you know be all over the place because there was a lot of slant and a lot of stunting going on for them to be as active as they were to free up some of those guys Jason Cabinda had a good game at middle linebacker and that's a big reason why yep uh other snap counts that came up no offensively Mike Kosicki 96 out of 99 snaps for him you'd expect it there's a big drop off in that position group they did go to a couple two tight end sets when they when they had difficulty moving the ball in those short yardage areas picked up a fourth down with him and Pancoast on the field Saquon Barkley you know of course played a high percentage all the offensive linemen 99 uh with the exception of you know, Will Fries, Andrew Nelson, who, of course, alternated at right tackle. And Juwan Johnson, 71 out of those snaps, just behind Deshaun Hamilton. But, 
you know, he came up big on that drive. We all remember the end, but he had a couple catches early on that got the chains moving, got them into a rhythm, and had some third downs early in the game, which, again, we talked about it last week. They're going to need him to fill that role that Chris Godwin did in those clutch situations, and for the most part, he was able to step up. Such a big body going across the middle, and he can run, too. So you, you put that combination there, and he can shield off defensive backs, and you probably almost could have had a touchdown uh, you know, m- nice play by the Iowa defender there, and, and and you can argue whether or not Johnson should have had the ball. But yeah, I think they're going to start going to him more often. Um, I, you know, he 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 has that big play potential. I think he's still learning how to to catch up with the speed of the game and and some of the nuances about playing against Big Ten corners. But yeah, I think Johnson was huge last night. Seven catches, ninety six yards, I think it was, and of course, you know, the big play at the end there. But uh, yeah, he he, I think he's going to be a big time guy for them going forward. He's got all the potential in the world, and if they can get him the ball, and and I'd like to see him try and push the ball a little bit more downfield uh, to him as well. But if they can get him the ball, he's going to do some things. And I'm glad you brought that up because I have not gotten a chance to really break down the offensive film. It's going to take a little while, 99 snaps. Yeah, um, that'll do it. But, you know, that was a point of, of contention amongst fans, I think, that, that they had not pushed the ball downfield against Georgia State, which is another team like Pitt, frankly, that kind of sat in that two-high shell, kept you in front. Iowa worked to do a lot of the same things, which isn't to say they weren't aggressive because you saw, you know, frequent blitzing, particularly in the first half that Penn State did not handle well. But, you know, they did take their shots. It wasn't working. They went to more underneath stuff, had four or five drives that all went 10 players or more um, and still had success there. It was just a matter of finishing, which I, I don't have the answer to that quite yet, but we'll get into that a little bit more on Monday night, tail the tape will be out. A couple, couple big catches by Deshaun Hamilton in those situations yeah, as well. A couple corners. big time throws by, by Trace McSorley in a game where obviously he was not at his best. A couple of really big throws to Deshaun Hamilton. And you know what? It, it's not so much with this team that we learned a whole lot. I think it just affirmed what we expected in that toughness. I mean, to me, when I look back a year ago, everyone wants to talk about Ohio State. The Minnesota game for me was really that watershed moment in that this team, regardless of how the rest of the year is going to go, is not going to lose because they're going to fold. I mean, they came back from a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter against the Gophers then won it overtime and really grinded that out amid a ton of injuries that only you know compounded as the game went on. Of course, they go on, they don't lose again until the Rose Bowl. And this is another situation where they're faced with just a deafening atmosphere. You know, A lot of things are going poorly for them. And McSorley has to pull out this 12-play 80-yard drive in the last two minutes after, again, not having a sharp performance. But there he is delivering throw after throw, converting a fourth down and a slant to Saeed Blacknall. We think everyone is overlooked there. That was a call that they changed the line and then goes ahead and makes this pinpoint throw to Juwan Johnson, which was literally inches away from getting deflected. Yeah, and uh, the, the safety, Amani Hooker, was phenomenal all night. He made that big tackle in Saquon Barkley in the first quarter that that would have been six, no doubt. I, I, you know, I was impressed with the Iowa secondary. They played aggressive. They went after the ball, and I think it kind of stunned Penn State's receivers a little bit. So, um, but but other than that, yeah, you make the big plays when you have to, and that's why you're four and zero. And you know whether you know. A, a, they came out today as the the number four team in the country. Whether you're four or five, it doesn't matter. You keep that zero in the loss column; is going to pay off in December. Right, and I think everyone knows weird shit happens at Kinnick. It's <laughs> yeah. just it does. It just it's and you know I had this feeling too Friday night, which I didn't publish it because obviously I put on the site predicted thirty eight to twenty three finish. But I look around at what everyone else was predicting, and it's all in that ten to seventeen point win range, which is right around what the spread was. All everyone picking Penn State to win. And for a game that's early in the season, in an environment like that, against a team that, frankly, often is not going to beat itself, something weird was going to happen. I didn't know that all of this weird stuff was going to go on and transpire, but... 
My goodness. Like, And that's the thing. We knew Penn State was going to trail at halftime if you listened to the podcast last week. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah, big ups. So that was, um, yeah, that was definitely one thing. I mean, 7-5, to five, uh, of course, evoking memories of 2004, which we don't even want to talk about I mean, because it's crazy. But big win, big win. Game ball. Obviously, Saquon Barkley. I mean, come on, let's let's go. Let's give this guy his due. And it's funny because I was picking our players of the game. You know, we do that on Friday night, late, sometimes later than we should, uh, or I should. Yeah, at least. predicting the game MVPs. Yeah, game MVPs. And I went with McSorley. Uh, you went with Jasicki, who I don't think they got the ball to enough on, on Saturday, but that's neither here nor there. But it, it's almost like Saquon Barkley's on such a curve that you don't want to give it to him because it's almost cheating. You know, it's like yeah. picking Mike Vick and Madden in 2004. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you know this guy is going to do something special, but you know you, you almost try and get uh, get there and outsmart yourself with with picking someone else. Right. But yeah, you, you can't go anywhere else but Barkley in terms of game balls. No, you can't. I mean, we mentioned the program record for all-purpose yards again, perhaps overrated, but still, when you have over 300 yards of offense. Um, against any defense that knows you're the best player in the field. We've got to do you know, ne- what's necessary to slow you down, and there's just literally nothing they could um, other than just kind of keep him in front. Only one touchdown, but otherwise he turned out as many yards as he could. He gets the game ball. And you know the other part about this is I think defensively we'll talk about pick our players of the week as we go into predict the presser later. But a close second for me, he had the safety. He was constantly in the backfield. He played all but nine of those defensive snaps. Sharif Miller was a monster, and he wore number nineteen in honor of Torrance Brown. They're going to need more performances like that with Brown out. Yeah, and he wore it well, definitely. And and I think that uh, you know I don't know if he's he's sticking with nineteen or not, but it looked good on him. I mean, he was yeah. he was all over the place, and you know he looked like Torrance Brown. Nineteen playing doesn't look good on everyone. Not, I'm not a fan of that. That's a Chris Bell number. I know that's before your time, and we don't like to talk too much about Chris Bell on the show. But, yeah, um, Torrance Brown, done for the year. Really unfortunate news. Um, we talked about it in our chat last week. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that played the run extremely well. Just a solid all-around player. He wasn't going to be a guy that was gonna be, yeah, wasn't going to be a splash guy. Um, you know, now I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Miller and Buck Holtz, and of course Givens played a little bit, and we'll see those young defensive ends. Shaka Tony uh, was a guy they weren't afraid to put in there in third down on Saturday night, so we'll see those guys grow. But you know, it's just a really unfortunate news for Brown, and and Penn State's going to have to work around it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Tony too because he had eight snaps, mostly in obviously passing situations. Eter Gross Matos only one in the same scenario where you didn't have Iowa. You know, you had to back up plenty, but the biggest threat for them was just you know, losing contain or missing an assignment or playing undisciplined, which, of course, freshmen are more prone to doing so uh, than some of your elder guys like Miller, Buck Colts, and, you know, Shane Simmons has got a year extra on there, but Kevin Givens able to play the outside. So it'll be really interesting to see how much trust they place in those guys coming up uh, in the next two games before the bye week. They've got Indiana, then Northwestern, of course, Big East with Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan, another pro-style team that you're going to need to have that trust that they've got to stay gap-accountable. You know, Ohio State, too, because of some more read runs. But we'll get to that much later. Um, and, it, you know, it's really a loss for them. And I think also inside the locker room. I mean, we, you saw how everyone spoke about Torrance Brown afterwards, not just the respect for him that they had, but just the impact that he has in the defense and just a calming influence in that defensive line, which, you know, we just listed all the young guys. Like, it, it's not the oldest group there that you can just say, you know, go out and do your thing. They're, they're older, I think, than they were a year ago in terms of having key contributors like Gibbons and, and Buck Holtz with another year under their belt that are now playing major roles. But 
you know, still the, the guys behind them are just as young as they were a year ago, and, and now they're without a big leader in Torrance Brown. Yeah, and Sharif Miller, as long as I've known him, has worn 48. For him to give that up for 19 says a lot to me about about how much they're going to miss Torrance Brown as a leader. Um, you know, he, he's not the most vocal guy. Um, you know, we don't get him on, on conference calls much or anything like that. But, you know, every time we've had him, he's been just, you know, very um, – very sound, very measured, and you know he's, he's been a big contributor for this team. Even though he doesn't put up the numbers, he's been a big contributor for this team over the last two years. Right. So. Now I mentioned Indiana is coming up Saturday, three thirty kick at Beaver Stadium. We got the throwback unis. I, I almost forgot about those because that was the quote big news we had. I think Barkley, Saquon Barkley, and white shoes is going to be interesting. Ooh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I honestly forgot about the white shoes. I was thinking number on the side of the helmet, uh, some different trim on there, all different. You know, features from different eras that are combined in this one uniform, which I thought was a great idea. There are now seventeen. Would you say seventeen and a half point favorites before we jumped on? That was what it, what I pulled up here right before we're recording on Sunday night or Sunday evening, obviously. So that's just the initial line: seventeen and a half points. I'd say it sounds about right. Indiana hasn't played much football lately. No, they have not. They had a game canceled, and they were supposed to play Florida International. Of course, the Hurricanes affecting that. They played Georgia Southern last week, expectedly blew them out. Uh, and then in their opener, played Ohio State. You know that We saw how that game went, pretty much every Indiana game that you've ever watched. <laughs> and immediately thereafter, uh, beat Virginia. So there's not a whole lot to go from. The thing for me is that their game plan last year in Bloomington was the best we saw against Saquon Barkley, not only from just a schematic standpoint, but an execution one, and how much they were able to pressure, get up on the line, slant, twist, stun, and really clog up these running lanes. Now, Penn State was working with a hurting offensive line at that point, but still, it was really effective. I think Tom Allen's a really good coach, and when I spoke to him at Big Ten Media Days back in July, his thing was, we need to get in the backfield before Saquon Barkley gets to us on those handoffs. Like, you've got to get to him before he gets going and it doesn't mean he can't get himself out of trouble but at least him moving laterally is much better than moving forward of the full head of steam and you know this isn't a team with a great front uh, but again Penn State's offensive line hasn't been that great so far through four games either so I think this again will be a really interesting matchup that front seven versus this running game. Yeah, and you get in there and you interrupt the mesh point, which, you know, the hand where, where Trace McSorley is going to give that handoff, and they've had trouble. I mean, McSorley has made some poor decisions, and I know he's kept it when he probably shouldn't have. And, and you know, at the goal line the other, you know, excuse me, at the goal line on Saturday night, probably could have given it to, to Saquon Barkley. But, you know, that's a judgment call for him. And, you know, if you can get there and get in his face and make him think a little bit, you got a shot and you could maybe produce a turnover or two off of that. I think Indiana, looking at this, they have to take care of the football. I mean, yeah, they do. They have not done that in the past. They didn't do it against Penn State last year. Uh, the, the quarterback has been prone to interceptions at a time, even though he's, he's very physically talented. He can still throw these picks. And, you know, Penn State showed on Saturday night that they can start taking the ball away. I don't think they're, they're there yet in terms of being game breakers or anything like that on defense. But at the same time, they can, they can get their hands on the football. Marcus Allen forced a fumble. You know, Grant Haley had the pick that got, uh, that got overturned. And, and I thought Christian Campbell, for the most part, played a good game. So the, that secondary starting to come around, it's a good week for that to happen because Indiana's got one of the more potent passing attacks. They'll see this year i tweeted this during the game but but tell me whether or not this is a lock in your mind grant haley all big 10 cornerback in 2017 
I don't know that he's a lock for it. But no, he's playing. Team. He's playing at a Big Ten level somewhere. I mean, I, yeah, recognition. Yeah, I think 10. he's playing at an All Big Ten level right now. He's not only been a guy that's you know gotten his hand on the ball a couple of times, but he's been in the right spot. He's he's played the run well, and he stayed healthy. I mean, that's the big thing. When you talk about Grant Haley, you always talk about his hamstring. I mean, he's a fast guy, and you know that hamstring has taken him out of games before and caused issues. So uh, he's healthy. Campbell's healthy. Allen's playing well. Apke is has been solid. I don't think he's a bad. Again, I mentioned. This two weeks ago, he's not as bad as everybody says he is. So, yeah. uh, so they're okay in the secondary. Um, you know, got some things to patch up, which which unit doesn't. But uh, yeah, I think the that Indiana is going to be a test for them this week. It certainly will. Great wideouts on the outside. You know, the quarterback can sling it downfield, and you know, like he said, he'll throw the ball away, which, uh, Lego. But it, it's a matchup where you've got to be wary because they can score just as quickly as Penn State can. It will be. Difficult, I think, for them to shake a little bit of the rust off again, having the last three weeks only played two games, and that one was you know, against an opponent that you don't have a ton of respect for in Georgia Southern, just in terms of what they can do relative to Big Ten competition, just like Penn State with the Georgia State. Um, but defensively, they bring back nine starters. You know, They're a little bit banged up compared to where they were at the start of the year. Linebacker T. Gray Scales, that's a guy locked all Big Ten, no doubt about it. Made a lot of plays last year against Penn State. And Richard Fan. Arguably the best corner in the conference. You know, he can lock down one side of the field. He'll give Penn State some trouble. And it'll be interesting to see whether they continue to attack deep and, and what Indiana decides to do and how much trust they place in Fant to play more single high or two high as we've seen Iowa and Pitt, Pitt and Georgia State do. As you said earlier, it was the best uh, game plan against Saquon Barkley last year. I think it's going to be the same thing. They're going to take him out of the game, or at least try to take him out of the game. And you know, Penn State's got to go down the field. Um, I said it again. I said it last week. They didn't really didn't do, didn't do it against Iowa, but they got to go down the field. You get a little bit of confidence in Juwan Johnson. Maybe he can get there. Uh, Saeed Black now made some, some big plays on Saturday night as well. So um, you get some confidence in those guys. You get Trace. A little bit more time to 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 get going, and he's not a guy that's going to stand in the pocket and and go downfield and pick you apart. He's a guy that's going to start moving around, and when he starts moving around, that's when he's dangerous going down the field. So you get Johnson to shake loose, you get Jasicki down the field as well, um, and you got a shot to make some big plays. And Indiana's defense, while talented, not the deepest team in the world, so no. uh, they, they, there's going to be opportunities for Penn State to get some chunk plays on Saturday. And I think they'll want to as well. You know, 579 yards feels good, but not so much when it only produces. 21 points. They're going to want to finish. They talk so much about that in the offensive line. I think the, the entire offense could take that, quote, finisher's mentality and really apply it this week uh, to an Indiana team that's going to want to be physical, but I don't think it, it can to quite to the degree that Iowa was, particularly an Iowa team that was at home. So, And you're at home, so you, you can open right. up that playbook a little bit more. And we saw that on the road on Saturday night that they were not, you know, they I almost afraid to to get too big, you know, and you don't think about that when you think about Joe Moorhead. But, well, I think it was too the right tackle situation limits you because you don't have as, as much time, and okay. it, it cost with the interception and, and a couple uh, drive-killing sacks. Yeah, definitely miss Chaz Wright, um, you know, especially running the football. I mean, he was, he's a guy that just takes up so much space out there, and, and, and Nelson, for all that he's done for the program, just doesn't look anywhere close to himself. So um, you're going to miss Chaz Wright, going to get Will Fry some good snaps in there, but, uh, yeah, they got to fix that right tackle situation. Right. Now, we can talk about Indiana all we want. I think it carries more weight when, of course, it's coming from James Franklin. He will speak tomorrow, as he always does, at his weekly press conference. So on to predict the presser. Now, we're going to make this a little bit more fun for the folks at home because uh, I've gone back and, and kept score of how we've done with each of our predictions. And currently, I hold a 5 
to four lead out of the our eight predictions I, I the last couple of weeks. I don't know what you mean by gone back because you're texting me during the press conference every week, <laughs> keeping keeping live track of uh, of your score. So I don't know. Just trying I'm to hashtag stay humble over here for for the folks at home, even if it's a little uh, you know hashtag. It's a good reminder fake. that there's a presser going on and I should tune in. So. Yeah, I honestly, you know, I'd probably tweet that more and tag you in each one of them, but you get so many tweets and, and texts, I can see how you mix them up. Um, so. Moving on. But yeah, I'm, I'm five of eight here. And our predictions consist of, you know, who Franklin is going to say the staff dub, the offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the week. And then we'll throw in our own twist. So four predictions each of the last couple of press conferences. Uh, I went two of four last week. I said that he was going to use the phrase, quote, they do what they do when talking about Iowa. That never came up. It wasn't even close. Um, and, and you did a little bit better than I, but we both, you know, didn't go three for three on the player award picks. I think this week is a lot easier to forecast. But we've got to mix it up because, again, I want to keep my lead uh, and have a little bit more fun with this. So I'm going to lead out Saquon Barkley, Offensive Player of the Week. If it's not, then this is a bigger upset than, you know, 1980s. And I'm going to hop on that, too, because if we're keeping score and I'm not going to get cute and try and, you know, tell somebody else. Hey, a special mention here. I got Juwan Johnson. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely go with Barkley here. But Johnson stepped up, and he, I think he's close to breaking out. So we're both locked in on Barkley. Of course. I mean, okay. Come on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now here's where I'm going to differentiate because I think Marcus Allen last week caught me a little bit off guard. I thought the corners were really solid. You know, he played well against Georgia State. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, he tied with Sharif Miller for two tackles for loss. Also had the forced fumble, was solid in coverage, and, and did a good job on the Iowa tight end. So I think he will get defensive player of the week here instead of Miller. You know, I, I think... I might go 60-40 probability here, but again, I was surprised last week, and I think they might see another strong performance out of him that was a little bit more subtle than you might otherwise see. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miller. Uh, I think he was all over the place, and he got the safety, which obviously was the big splash play for the defense. Um, if he continues to go, I mean, he's got a lot of potential. He's still raw in my eyes. I mean, he, he came in as an extremely raw prospect, had a ton of room to fill out. He's done that, but he's still putting it together. But yeah, he was all over the place. I mean, that 19, as I mentioned, looked good in, in in the backfield a lot on Saturday night. It did. All right, special teams. This is, I think, the easiest decision. Yeah, especially the with day. the way the Penn, Penn State special teams were up and down on Saturday night. I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the coverage teams. They were all over the place. Um, but one reason because uh, one reason for that was because of Blake Gillikin. He was phenomenal. I mean, he's just, you know, pound for pound, he Balling. might be Penn State's best, uh, you know, one of Penn State's best players. We almost went best we player there best player. with ah. Saquon Barkley on the roster. Well, pound for pound, Gillikin's pretty light. But, um, no, I mean, uh, Gillikin was fantastic. Uh, Penn State killed the field position uh, the field position game in the first half. Uh, pinned Iowa, I think, back at their 9, their 10, and eventually their 1 as well. So, um, you know, Penn State didn't capitalize on that. But if in a, in a typical game, I mean, that's that's a big, big deal. You know what else is a big deal? Hard to say. Almost calling Blake Gillikin the best player on the roster when your team has Saquon Barkley. Sorry, it will, this will not be brought up uh, after, well, we'll give it two weeks. But um, for now, I'm going pound to enjoy pound, this one. Man. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a punter. Give it to it's him. Just, it's, okay. He, he's a good punter. He's invaluable. He's, um, he's really yeah, good. well, here was the thing about that, too. Four punts, three down inside the 20. The other one went 52 yards. Yeah. You know, you can't have a better day at the office when you're a punter. Uh, uh, against pressure, too. That, that yeah. 52-yarder was against pressure, and he just kicked the hell out of it. Yeah. Okay. Off the punting, uh, you know, soapbox here. <laughs> I'll stay away from the long snappers this week. Not a great week for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was probably Ty- your, your bold prediction last week. And Tyler Davis was a special teams player of the week last week. He did not have 
have his best week this week. I think the snapping issues caused that. Um, and of course he needs to get the ball up, especially when he's, he's got a tight angle like that. He's got to get the ball up and not get it blocked. Okay. So we got our, our players of the week picks locked in our special prediction outside of this. I think James is going to mention the five fumbles Indiana had last year. You always hear so often, no matter who the coach is talking about how important the turnover battle is. Penn State recovered all five. It was really the reason they were able to hang in that game because they were down by double digits in the second half. Um, as we mentioned, Indiana's defense played really well. They get a scoop and score, and the game was 49-35, I believe, at the end, which is much different than how it felt for the better part of four quarters. So I think we'll hear about that. They're going to want to generate those turnovers again, but they can't rely on the luck that ultimately they really had a year ago in Bloomington. I think James is going to pull a Herb Street and talk about the Indiana receivers as, as maybe the best group in the Big Ten, uh, just based on that Ohio State game, the way that they went out. They manned up with uh, with Ohio State's corners and gave them the business for a while, actually. So I think he's going to heap praise on those wide receivers. I, I think it's a good group. I don't I don't think it's, you know, and Herb Street said it was the best group uh, that Ohio State would face among receivers this year. That but, went very well with our followers. Yeah, it was fantastic. That, that was one. great on the board. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think they're a really good group, and I think Franklin – when when he talks about the overwhelming respect he gives to different position groups, he's gonna he's gonna pump up those receivers this week. All right, so I got a five four lead and predict the presser uh, might even up <laughs> next week. We'll have to stay tuned before uh, Northwestern week. You know, uh, I, I'll go sleepless if it doesn't. You know, so, <laughs> well, you're gonna hear about it regardless of what happens before we meet uh, again for uh, Friday's episode. But now I mentioned Northwestern. Um, we had a question about what they might take away, as well as Indiana, from this performance against Iowa. You know, you're scouting Penn State. You see them put up 21 points on 99 plays. Defensively, though, they're lights out. I mean, what do you think if you're an upcoming Penn State opponent and you saw that game Saturday night? There's a formula here, and I think it's not just Iowa, but Pitt. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't take a, a smart coach to realize that you got to keep Barkley in front of you, but at the same time, you know, keep that ball in your hand. You mentioned how efficient Iowa was in terms of, uh, not putting up huge yardage or anything like that, but it, you know, it just seemed like Penn State did not have the ball as much as the 99 plays would imply. Yeah, and I think you know it's different for Indiana and Northwestern because they're such different teams. I think if you're Northwestern, you you probably see Iowa's lack of weapons and see how Penn State is going to feel like it can attack you and, and really want to contain Justin Jackson. Those linebackers, at any sign or scent of a handoff, were just zooming into the backfield looking to stop that. So if I'm Northwestern, I see that and go, we're going to dial up a lot of bootlegs, play action, things that will run counter and try to take advantage of that aggression to get Penn State going one way, and then we'll take it back the other. Uh, If I'm Indiana, I look at the defense and say, you know, this is going to be a big turnaround for them and that they're going to have to go from a very run-heavy offense to now spread it out. And and talking to some of Penn State defenders a year ago, they said that that transition, not only just more of a spread-out attack, from the previous week, when again they played Iowa before they went to Indiana a year ago, was very different, and also the pace. I mean, the Hoosiers just want to go, 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 go after every single snap. They know what their assignments are. They can get off the next snap within 12 seconds. I think that will take a toll a little bit, so they're going to want to push the pace, take the crowd out of it, and attack those corners, You know, which obviously was Penn State's advantage against Iowa, but you know, if you're the Hoosiers, I think you feel good about no matter who's out there with the wideouts that you have, Nick Westbrook and a couple of the other guys. Um, so they'll take away different things, but you know, they're not totally comfortable given, of course, Penn State's not going to be out of it. And especially for Indiana, they're not going to be out of it at any point 
since they're at home. Yeah, and I think this is another game where time of possession is going to be greatly over, overrated. Um, Indiana is going to throw the football a lot in my eyes, and uh, you know I don't know that they're going to be able to burn the clock. You know, of course they've got a running game. I, I just don't see that making the dent that that a team like Northwestern could with the, with the back like Justin Jackson. So. It, I think they. Th- this is a game that I think can get away from Indiana because you know if they're not efficient throwing the ball and they weren't last year, obviously, um, and they lost the, the the turnover battle overwhelmingly. If, if they can't do that, they're going to be in trouble. Right. Next question: What's up with the red zone woes? Penn State had only one touchdown and four trips inside Iowa's twenty. I uh, mentioned this a little bit earlier on. I've not gotten a chance to really break down the film. You know, to me, it's going to be a, a variety of different issues. It's not one common thread cropping up. And honestly, Penn State's been very good in the red zone up until the other night. So I, I wouldn't see it as a, as a tremendous issue, but I will get into that. Stay tuned for Teletape. I, I assume it's going to be under center with a fullback. Yeah, I mean, that's always my solution for everything. I mean, I don't watch any games on, on Sunday and see that happen and anyone ever gets <laughs> stuffed. So I, I think that's really just the, the magic solution. There. I, I'd like to see them get the ball to the tight end more in the red zone. They did that earlier in the year. It obviously works. Um, but uh, you're right. There's no hot take, quick fix or anything like that. You just, you're just going to have to pour into the tape and check out the tail of the tape. Yep, Monday night. Uh, on to the next. Do you think we see a hangover? Or will this uh, win make the team stronger for the remainder of the season? I think this is kind of a question that goes back to the Minnesota game last year, how they reacted, um, how they sort of took a springboard off the walk-off win from Barkley last year. And um, I think they'll be okay. I mean, yeah. I think coming back home is a big deal. You saw what they went out and did against Maryland last year, um, where they sort of took it into the next gear, ran the football really well. So I think that Penn State uh, comes out – you know, sticks to sticks to the plan of getting Barkley the ball as much as possible, and I think that's a good formula to do. Yeah, I don't know about you when you get a hangover, but the one thing that does uh, help me is some home cooking, and that's exactly what Penn State will have coming back to Beaver Stadium. It, it's not going to be a matter of they have to bring their own juice. I mean, that place is going to be packed. It's going to be ready to go. 3.30 kick. 3.30 kick. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of time for folks to tailgate, you know, I'm get the sure first steps of their own hangovers. 3.30 kicks. So yeah. that's kind of a big deal. But, uh, yeah, it's. It, I think they'll be okay. They'll be uh, fine. Yeah. That's my, my bottom line here is that there's no need to think about that. They're going to feel fortunate for that win. They're going to feel good about themselves, their toughness, and they're going on ticket Indiana because they know that the Hoosiers can hang with them. Right. And they have that zero in the loss column, which is the important thing. And, they're you know, they're probably going to put that Iowa game behind them pretty quick. A lot of things to patch up, but at the same time, you know, still, uh, I think that last drive emphasized what kind of talent, what kind of explosiveness they can have. They can they can score from anywhere on the field. Last person with the ball in their hands for Penn State, Javon Johnson, was this his breakout game? I, from a from a production standpoint, kind of. Um, I think he's still a work in progress. Uh, obviously, this is a guy that we we pumped up a lot in the offseason. The Penn State coaches pumped up in the in the offseason a lot, but at the same time. You know, coming through with that play, I think is going to do wonders for his confidence, and he, he's going to keep building on that. And I, you know, with this offense, you know, seven catches for ninety-six yards is is pretty good considering all the weapons that that, that McSorley's been able to spread the ball around too. So he's getting there. I don't know that we're going to consider this his breakout, his coming out party, or whatnot, but he's getting there. Right. I think the confidence is the biggest part of that. You know, you can feel great about your game, but until that translates onto the field in big moments, there's really no way to truly know, you know, what you're capable of in those situations until you demonstrate your ability. And Johnson going into the game, as I posted in a story earlier this week, it only caught seven balls and 12 targets. And that's not entirely on him. Some overthrows by Trace. He wasn't sharp at Pitt. Um, but, you know, caught some balls early, converted a third down, as we mentioned at the beginning of that final drive, a couple of catches, and built on that, and then had enough confidence to 
I wrote about, and so did pretty much everybody else. You know, him going to the sideline saying, "Let let's run a post. I can set him up." get open, it's going to be there, they're cheating over the corner routes, and lo and behold, there he was, running the exact route that he called for, and then making the play that he envisioned, and for a guy who who really struggled with drops in the early parts of his career, to come up with a catch, which wasn't particularly difficult, but nonetheless to make that, I, I think it is just, it's so huge for him, but again, you need to do it out again, or else you're back to, I played five games at this point, and really only had one significant uh, from a statistical perspective. I can't wait to ask Josh Gaddis if, if that was a difficult catch and say that, you know, attribute that to you. But uh, no, that was, I think, a, a good step for him. For him to have that confidence to go over there shows a lot for a guy that just started his fourth game, um, you know, only has a handful of catches to his name. So he's getting there. I, I think he has all the potential to be a star, to be a high draft pick, But and he's getting there. And, and that was a big step on Saturday night. Yeah, but let's see it again. And then I think we could talk more about making the impact that, again, the guy who he replaced, Chris Godwin, is... Um, you know, big shoes, but they're, they're going to need those, again, clutch performances. Juwan's got some pretty big shoes as well. He's a big dude. <laughs> He's a large human being. Yeah. All right, well, four mailback questions. This was a solid week for the pod. Uh, we will be back on Friday, as always. And, again, we appreciate all the feedback we've had, iTunes and elsewhere. You know, please continue to rate, review, everything else. Find us on the new Twitter handle. Life has been good. It's been busy. Uh, we'll be back with more for Penn State, Indiana, 3.30 on Saturday. We'll be dropping the next episode Friday morning on the Live 24-7 podcast. McSorley across the middle, touchdown, Jawan Johnson, Penn State wins it, a walk-off touchdown.